Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, I'm Eric Eastep. And I'm Scott Reedley. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back, listeners. Scott, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. Good. We did two weeks, two weeks of hearing about you um, talking through the Revolutionary War and the Civil War and how people... Is that about all you can stand? Is that what you're getting around <laughs> to telling weeks. me? Like, please just, you know, let it go. No, not necessarily. Oh, well, okay. well, I was looking, I was specifically looking at the uh, title of, of the episodes. Um, mm. I think it was, uh, what was it? Re- how to interpret the Bible politically. And we had two weeks of cautionary tale, really, yeah. where people were reading the Bible politically, but in a way that wasn't faithful to what the Bible actually says. So we were going to, listeners, listeners, we were going to talk about Thomas Aquinas, but I, I think we need to pause for another week. And um, you can thank me later. <laughs> and, and talk this week about how do we read the Bible politically, but read it well? How do we approach it um, in, either in a political context or um, with something political in mind or, or realizing we're political people and we're going to approach Scripture? So let's, let's well, today talk about that. First, you say we're political people. I think, see, uh, sometimes we have assumptions that we don't make clear. Mm-hmm. What do you mean we're political people? Uh, so not partisan people necessarily. So partisan being a... Hey, you belong to a party, and you're you're a party person. But political is um, you're a party person, <laughs> not that like not a political that kind party. Of party person. Okay, <laughs> uh, sometimes I get easily confused. Totally. Um, to to be uh, politics is the the description of groups coming together for particular ends and and organizing themselves. Um, so we are inherently political because we live in public. We live when yep. we have to, organize, and we're humans, and we have to organize yep. ourselves in various ways. And and we do that, and that doesn't necessarily have to be partisan. We often make political things partisan things. What would um, be a political thing that's not partisan? Um, just the organ, the organization of your neighborhood. You, okay. you're just you're in a neighborhood, and you're organized in a particular way. Um, a softball team would be. A softball team is a small political organization. Uh, usually, it'll lend itself more towards the good of a good of a community or something. So it becomes oh. city or state or something like that. Um, but there, there's an there's an organizing quality. There's a there's a care for this group quality. Um, Say a blood drive or a, you know, mm-hmm. can uh, can food drive or something would be political. Is yeah, that what you're saying? Because it's pu- yeah. because it's for the public good, right? But it's not partisan anyway, right? And all, all those, and we just naturally do those things. We naturally do political things um, because God designed us to organize and, and have dominion over the earth and um, participate in ruling His world. So we do that. So you're saying you're going to interpret the Bible politically because you just do those things? Mm-hmm. Oh. So what I spent two whole weeks on <laughs> is uh, you're saying people are going to do it anyway? 
he's just questioning the last hours. Really? What do we do? Um, you're you're going to come to scripture wanting political answers always, um, and you will either come with them. These are the opinions I have. Can I make the scripture? Can I justify them from the scripture? Right. Or we are we are political animals. We organize um, because we're designed to do that. And will I come to Scripture and allow Scripture to bend my actions and my desires and my affections towards wanting the correct things politically? That, that I think, is the question. Okay. So today, I'm hoping we can talk through how do we approach Scripture that second way? Um, because we, the last two weeks, we've been talking about it really the first way. We're going to come to it with we have a desired end, whether it's um, independence from England or... Um, slavery or, or or keeping slavery or keeping the institution of slavery or keeping the institution of the union. Um, all of those were, we're going to come to scripture and how can we use the scripture as a tool towards our ends rather than the scripture has ends. How can we submit ourselves to scripture um, so that we're going towards mm-hmm. the same ends of scripture? Well, good. I, th- I like the way you phrase that there at the end. Um, how can we submit ourselves to the ends that scripture has? And I think the first way, I would say is read the Bible, and uh, ding, ding, ding. It's a, for the, <laughs> you heard it here first. Thousand, thousand dollar for a thousand dollars, I'll take read the Bible. Uh, read, and and one of the things we said last time was read the Bible, and that was that was good. That's good advice. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say I gave it. It's good advice. Yeah, but uh, better advice. And Eric talked to me about this afterwards was to read it in community. Mm-hmm. To, to let there be other people, let there be other voices, let there be people from other times and other places, even if possible, speak into the way you see it. Even, mm-hmm. even that was one of the things about the Civil War is that um, one of the books I read talked about how people in Europe saw American slavery way differently than the Americans did mm-hmm. on, on either the North or the South. They just had a, they had the perspective that you didn't have if you were caught in the uh, American American economic engine and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So let other people speak into your understanding of scripture. And if you can get the benefit of time or space, mm-hmm. history or geography, that is going to probably mm-hmm. help you be more faithful. Yeah. And, and we talked about having, I still think it's true that we, as individuals, we have the tools necessary to read the Bible. Um, we have, we have if, if you can read and you have the Holy Spirit, um, you have the tools there, but I don't think reading in isolation is ever helpful. Um, and uh, aside from the community, isolation is different than solitude. It's I'm, I'm never going to be with other people. I'm, I'm completely isolated. So I think really commit, commit to a community, submit to a community, uh, connect yourself and sit I, I, I'm always thinking about it in life group context, like sit next to someone on the couch and read the Bible together. That's going to be really beneficial to you because uh, you're going to, I think, I think God helps us understand Bible in community in ways that he doesn't as an individual reading a Bible. Well, and some of it is, um, some of it has to do with, you know, authority or like here's the, the church is to safeguard doctrine. Mm-hmm. Right. But some of it is just, and this is the part that I've really appreciated, is people have people see it differently than I do, and they'll mm-hmm. apply it differently than I will. And you know, sometimes I'm, you know, trying to be as complicated as I can about it. Right? Right. And somebody will come through with this just 
gem of a simple, clear mm-hmm. thing that's so is such a blessing. So mm. yeah, read it within a community, I would say. Yeah, that's good. And then another one, and we talked about this a little bit last episode, I believe it was. Uh, I mentioned just being <laughs> be a little bit afraid to be wrong in in interpretation. I think reading in community actually helps that. Because if you're in if you're in isolation and you're just reading like there's there's no concern about being wrong because it it's just whatever it's it doesn't in my occur head. to you right. that you might be wrong. Uh, but I think if you read in community there's it lends itself towards humility in mm-hmm. in reading Bible. Um, and I think having a little bit of just trepidation, like we're this is God's word. God gave us these words, and I don't want to be flippant in the way I interpret them and um, bend them towards my own my own aim. So just having that in the back of your head, like, okay, I want to be humble. I want God to change me, not me change his words. Um, I think that's a good a good posture to have when reading. And it's usually more helpful to do that. It's easy it's easier to do that when you're reading with someone else and saying, Hey, I think this says this. Well, and it's just a humble, I mean, mm-hmm. you probably could say, re- read the Bible with humility and say the same thing as be afraid that you're going to get the wrong interpretation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I think what, one of the lessons that I learned in doing the reading about the revolution and about civil war was just be, wa- be aware of your own context. In other words, to, to know what factors are shaping you and shaping the way that you view it and how the things that you have heard, uh, whether they're clearly from the scriptures or not, mm-hmm. uh, shape what you see and understand and apply next. Uh, it really is, it really is very interesting to me how those things were, um, were there and people just sort of blew right by it. I mean, the, to think that this, the, econ- the economy of the South was dependent on slavery and how in the world then was it the South different from the North in the way they interpreted the Bible, I wonder, mm-hmm. right? I mean, of course, because their context was so dependent on that institution, they're going to see things differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the thing. Our context does color that, and our context um, shapes the way that we come to the Scripture. It shapes what, what we already know about the Scripture, and it shapes then what we draw from it. And I, I think we can do, um, again, humility with regard to my own situation. Right. Like the, Amer- the American situation is not the only situation of concern to God. Right. The American, you know, I do think God cares about our country, but I would say in the same way that he cares about England or Kenya or mm-hmm. Brazil or China. Mm-hmm. In, the, in those same ways, he cares about it because he cares about justice and, he, and he's established government for the good of people. So, yeah, I would say he does. And, but that's not my context. Right. My context is that he cares especially for me mm-hmm. and for my country. So and everything I can pay attention to. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Well, so and I, I, that makes me ask the question a little bit: How do I make myself aware of my own context? Because I look, I think of a fish in the water. Like, be aware of the water. Like, what are you talking about? I, I'm in the water. I'm always in the water. Um, but reading or looking at or trying to understand a different context would allow you to see the differences in your own context. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just thinking of, I got a friend who's Catholic, so we're in different contexts, and he lives in a different part of the country. 
and we text back and forth about things. And interacting with him specifically about Bible makes me realize some of my own context. Like, oh, I would never say that about that because my context is different. Yeah, and my assumptions are different and the the way I approach things is, is different. Um, but I didn't get that because I just did some self-speculation or self, um, self-reflection self and went, oh, I have these assumptions. Uh, it was experiencing someone else's context, and they probably didn't realize it. He didn't realize it either. Uh, but when I come up against it, oh, these are different. And right. now I know and what's why different. Are they, and why are they different? Help me understand yep. that. But some of it, you know, I, I appreciate that you're interacting with the, with a friend theologically, and that's great. And if you have people who are in different camps than you, theologically, that's mm-hmm. great too. But, you know, some of it is uh, the issue in these last couple episodes has been political. Mm-hmm. And so if you find yourself on one side or the other of the part, partisan divide, what then are you, um, where are you getting your partisan ideas from? Mm. And what if you interacted with somebody on the other side so that you could articulate back to them their own you know, opinion in a way that they would understand it, then all of a sudden you are going to see things differently. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that in other episodes, and mm-hmm. so we don't need to go much farther. But I think it isn't just let's get a different a friend from a different theological sure, sure. thing. It's, it's, it's political, it's socioeconomic, it's mm-hmm. racial. All those things are going to help you see, and it's geographical, people in other oh, yeah. countries. I mean, you're going to realize how much the environment around you shapes the way you go to the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. anyway. That's good. Well, how, how where do we start? We're reading, we, we've, we've kind of described the, the posture, some of the things we might bring to the text without knowing it. Um, but where, where do we start? I, I'm reading the Bible. Uh, I think the first thing to think about is someone read this first and it wasn't me. And it, there was a particular audience that it was written to. Um, what did this thing that I'm reading in scripture, what did that mean to the first readers of this? Um, the original audience, and uh, you, you have to start there. You have and to it, figure out what that is first. And really, that's one of the things you're reading for. If you mm-hmm. can read for clues about that, that'll really help you. Mm-hmm. I mean, clues in the text about what slavery was like, for instance, in mm-hmm. the early church, that'll, that, will, that will really help you understand the institution of slavery and how those readers would have heard First um, Corinthians mm-hmm. or... Uh, something too. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, some of the reason you do that, I think, right, is because it can't mean something to them that, or to you, that it didn't mean to them. And by that, I, you know, I, I, you know, say whatever, you know, pick any kind of story you want from the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's take, um, I think what we talked about last time when they called um, Lincoln the American Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. All right. So what what was happening there was that there was a foreign king who was actually made a statue of himself mm-hmm. and wanted people to bow down and worship him. Mm-hmm. And if they failed to worship him, he was going to throw them in a fire furnace. Okay, and that's what it meant to the first readers. Okay, you get to the what the Civil War context. Mm-hmm. And was that what was happening? No. 
And so that was not it, Lincoln's it, MO. No. You can't really go in that direction, but because it, it's not going to mean something to you to to you that it didn't first mean to them. And um, in the same thing about uh, you know Rome thirteen, say you take that, it's not going to mean something to us, like hold the government accountable, mm-hmm. that it didn't mean in to the people in Rome who were first read it. I mean, they right. I, they did not take that and say, oh, golly, Paul's telling me I should really hold them accountable. That's that I am pretty confident that nobody read that. Yeah, they, they didn't read, let every person be subject to the governing authorities and go, oh, that this is a call for me to hold them to account for things they're doing that they that I don't like. Right. And so, you know, th- that's not to say that um, I submit to the government in the same way that they submitted in Rome. The Roman government's different than mm-hmm. our government. Mm-hmm. So I interact with government differently. And our responsibilities are different here. Right. And, and so, so you know, I un- my understanding of the scripture must come from the understanding those first readers had. Mm-hmm. And so my application kind of has to be that same way too. I apply the scripture, not in a way that's foreign, but I say, okay, what, for instance, what issues would this call to subjection or submission mm-hmm. in Rome cause biblical Christians? And I, I don't know, I say, well, um, the, the fear of governmental oppression, say, mm-hmm. okay, well, I can have fear of governmental oppression. Mm-hmm. It's not Roman, but it's but it's similar. So I apply that to my own fear, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or, but I, I I take whatever issues there they have, and I and I try and say, how does this build a bridge to my own application? But but it can't be foreign, right? It can't be foreign, and it can't be. We're not going to talk about government from that passage. We're going to talk about um, you know SpaceX or something. It was not going to, we just have to, it has to derive from the text itself. Right, right. You know, can you draw a straight line, basically, from the meaning of the text to its application? And that'd be a good check. You can just keep asking, this is how I'm going to apply this text, and then just ask yourself that question. Can I draw this a straight line back, or do I have to kind of meander a little bit and do some dodging and weaving to get to the application? Well, sometimes you do, but you you have to at least know what you're doing Mm -hmm. when you read it. And so that's probably good. Um, yeah, if you're if you're having to squint your eye and kind of tilt your head a little bit to get the application you want, you you might not be interpreting the scripture the right way. Yeah, one of the one of the things that I've been thinking about you're you're trying to ask us how do we read the Bible politically in the right way. One of the things that has um, I, I think is worth thinking about, and and it's kind of haunting me, is how does the church today read the Bible politically like in ways that are destructive or dangerous like they did in Civil War times or Revolutionary War times. Mm. In other words, with the lessons from the last two cautionary tales, mm-hmm. uh, how does how do we end up with some of those same things? Because that that's the thing. There was this cascade from the Revolutionary War to the Civil War mm-hmm. in the way they handled the Bible. What things, if any, have cascaded down to us? Mm. That I think is the thing that I've been trying to think about, and there there are a few, uh, and they're actually kind of directly out of what we talked about the last couple of weeks. One, I think we have to ask the question: Is there something special in God's design for America? And they would have said yes. Mm-hmm. You know, God has some kind of covenant with America. We are a new city on a hill, right? And we've inherited that. We're the great, 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 great grandchildren. <laughs> 
<laughs> but but see, the thing is, and you know what I want to say? I want that to be true. Mm. I'm just going to say that as an American, I want that to be true. But the question is, where do I come up with that in the Bible? See, again, we've got to go back and, mm-hmm. and be a biblical Christian here. And But yeah, I want that to be true. And so if my affection is that direction, right. then i got to really be clear about Scripture. And I think that we tend to make the same kind of uh, mistakes ourselves. And um, anyway, that's one thing. I think I think it's very easy, especially if, if you go down that road, to read into modern events, mm-hmm. uh, the end times. And when we read that, then we begin to label, this is the Antichrist, and this is the, right. these are the bad guys, and these are the good guys. Thankfully, mm-hmm. the good guys are on our side. And Every time. It's just really that, convenient. That is kind of uh, how that works, right? I think another thing is, are we parroting what other people are saying about the issues in text? And by this, I, when, when I thought about that, what I, uh, and I'm just going to say, uh, I heard countless people re- refer to what John MacArthur said about mm. masks and about the re- and vaccines and the relationship of the church to government. Uh, I don't think John MacArthur was right about that. I don't think a younger John MacArthur would have thought the older John MacArthur was right about that because he changed his mm. opinion. But that's beside the point. The, the thing is, I heard several people just say, well, MacArthur says, well, MacArthur says. And that, uh, I, I think when we find ourselves saying, well, MacArthur says, we're in danger. There, mm-hmm. that's a danger zone. Mm-hmm. Um, because we tend to get that. I mean, I think about even um, things that, that I inherited it, theologically or and they weren't completely theologically. Some of them were um, political. Mm. Well, you know, things like I I came of age in the time of the late great planet Earth and the tribulation and the rapture and the, all the things. And my uh, uh, those were unquestioned. Mm. In fact, those were unquestioned and the source of great, you know, conversations in the church and conferences and end times prophecy things and to pull back and look at this what the scripture actually says about those things it i mean you wouldn't fill an entire conference with what is there (laughs) Mm -hmm. but that's what i had received and it's what the church had received that I, you know, the stream that I was part of. And so I think we just have to be thoughtful about that. And um, uh, so that's one thing. I mean, another thing has to do with the individual interpretation of the Bible. And uh, they were doing that then on, you know, on oh, the yeah. heels of the Great Awakenings. Well, and if we've inherited anything, we've inherited that. I think so. I think that's fair. I, I think we still, and I might... My reference to MacArthur earlier um, sh- sort of showed my cards, but I, I think how you see Romans 13 is still pretty central to how Christians interpret the Bible politically. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that I was uh, interested to see that that was the case um, for the Revolutionary War and the Civil mm-hmm. War, and it probably still is. That's pretty central text, and so that one is is there. And I think... The other has to do with, um, you know, how does your 
say, political or partisan or policy issue uh, interact with the image of God in people mm. is still going to be a fundamental question. And it, and you know, as maybe more so now than even then, mm-hmm. you know, then it was slavery. Now it's sexuality and we still have, and, or immigration and mm-hmm. all those things still go down to that issue. Right. So it is still a, a fundamental issue. But yeah. anyway, those are some of my th- thoughts and questions that, that's are residual right from the civil war and, and the revolutionary war. And, uh, anyway, that, that's well, an, an acknowledgement that it's, it's going to be hard. There, there are, are hinge issues, difficult issues, just as there was a hundred years ago, 200 years ago. Um, our task has not really changed compared to the, the context may be a little bit different. Um, but the task is still the same to how do I approach these things well and approach scripture? Well, um, those are good, good warnings too. And it, and it is interesting because even what I just said there, I don't always have the right feelings about that. You know, I don't always want Romans 13 to be in the Bible. <laughs> oh, sure. I don't always <laughs> want, I don't always want to, you know, submit to tradition or history or some authority. I want, you know, my own individual thing. I, I want, I don't want to do the hard work of figuring it out. I want to just parrot what other people says. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have this if, sort of heart sense that I don't always want it to be mm. uh, like this, but I think that's some of it is, you know, I, I think would I, would I have liked, would I have liked the taxation by the British if I was a colonist? I'm a hundred percent sure I would not have liked that. Right. Okay. I, I'm a hundred percent sure my affection would have been, you know, throw the tea in the Harbor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just was, that's really uh, how it would have been. And, does that make it right? You know, and, and how does the right. scripture then come and grab me and shape me in a way that is um, appropriate? So it's not easy, and I think it's fair for us to just admit it's not easy. Right. Well, and it, that just reminds me a lot of so much of the Christian life is sanctification and having our affections bent towards Christ's affections. And if you're coming up against scripture going, I don't like this, that. I'm not going to say it's a, a fail-proof um, indication, but that could be an indication that you're being sanctified and going, I don't like this thing, mm-hmm. and what a great thing to take to God. Hey, I don't like this. It seem, This seems to be the way I'm supposed to go. I'm going to submit to you because I trust you, um, but I don't like it. That That's the path of sanctification, it seems to me. And mm-hmm. if, well, That's good because I, I took that path quite a bit <laughs> in the last couple of years, it seems like. And, and I, I think the, the opposite of that man, I never hit any snags when I read Scripture. Well, that, that may be an indication that you have come with some, some presupposed answers um, and, and you're, you're bending it a little bit so that you don't have to come up against anything that you disagree with. Um, I think we can answer the question uh, a little more directly as well about how do you read the Bible politically uh, in, a, in a good fashion and I do think, and I was reminded listening to an interview with uh, Matthew Bates, just reminded that the gospel is the good news that Jesus is king. And we've been doing, we're, we're in the summer now, so we haven't been doing it for the summer, but uh, we've been going through the book of Matthew and just preaching through that, which is Jesus is the king, the kingdom of um, uh, the kingdom of God is, is here, him, all of it. It's all about king and kingdom. And I think that is a helpful header for all of scripture that god created all we and we've done this before just a biblical theology of kingdom god created all um 
it we broke it, and God is not an absent king. He decided to redeem and uh, eventually fully restore his his creation and fully establish his kingdom. And I think with that understanding in view, it's much easier um, to approach Scripture knowing there's a king to submit to and to give your allegiance to. And it, it, it's we've talked about this a number of times, but it's he, he's a real king, not just a spiritual king of a spiritual kingdom, and we're going to compartmentalize that over here in this bucket, and then all the other political stuff, that's something different. No, um, Jesus is the king, and he will be the political ruler over all. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's important for Americans to recognize that right. king is a political title. Right. And if Jesus is that, then you and you're reading the Bible about him, mm-hmm. you're reading it politically. Right. Yeah. And I, I think because we live in a democratic system, a Republican system, that's small d, small r, um, a representative system, we don't have those assumptions about monarchy and kingdom and any of those things. So it's really hard for us to read that in Scripture and even know what on earth, that what means. does that relationship even look like? So we go, ah, oh, Jesus is the king of my heart, but I like this person for president. Well, and I like we him. are heirs mm-hmm. of the revolutionaries who right. overthrew the king. Right. And there you go. How does this interact with the Scriptures? Mm-hmm. I wonder. Exactly. Right. So, yeah, that's um, it's very much right in line with what we've been talking about these right. last few weeks with the with the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. And, okay, how are you going to, uh, how are you going to show your allegiance to Jesus and submit right. to him, right? Yeah. And just know that your American blood, <laughs> regardless of, of when your family got here, if you are here, you're in then the soup that is America, your um, American blood is aimed towards get rid of the king. So that's your posture. Um, if you don't check it, if you don't think about it, that is your posture when you open the Bible. And the Bible is a lot about a king. And if your heart is one to get rid of the king because we will represent ourselves, mm-hmm. that's that's an anti-gospel. <laughs> that's something opposed to the gospel. Um, so be aware of that and and realize that the king and that message of that there is a king and he will restore everything will make demands on your actions. It'll make demands um, of your preferred policies, the way you spend your time, the way you define justice, um, of what things you support. All of those, if there is a king, he must um, be paramount in how those things are defined. And I think it's important to uh, think about, I I need to subordinate all other connections under my relationship with the king. So that means we talked about... Identities. Identities, yeah. yeah. Connections, yeah. Yeah. That, that's better phrase there. Um, and we talked at the beginning about what, what does it mean to be partisan? I'm, I'm a party man or, mm-hmm. or I'm a party uh, participant um, with a particular political party. You cannot be a party man and be submitted to the king. If, if, if party man is your identity, you're giving up your identity to the king and, and pulling in something else. Um, or co- Your identity with Jesus is not a secondary identity. Right. It's it, primary. Which is, one of, which is sort of the... The process, as you mentioned earlier, of sanctification and mm-hmm. growing in your faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you're taking something else and making an ultimate party man, cultural warrior, polit- policy activist, um, all those need to be surrendered to the allegiance to the king and, primar- and primacy to him first. So I think that's the, the first posture you need to have when you're, when you're trying to read the Bible politically. I think that's the, the driver. When you're not trying to read the Bible politically, 
that would be a good way to go too. Right, that you're Jesus, probably reading it wrong. That <laughs> Jesus is king, and let's just start there. Mm-hmm. And therefore, let's read the Bible, and surprise, it'll be political. There you go. I told you we're political. <laughs> all right, I'm, I believe you, Eric. Nice. Well, and all of you listeners are also political, so we want you to read the Bible politically well. Um, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to have you come back and listen and rate us. If you find what we're doing helpful, a review would go a long way to getting this to other people. Share it with a friend. If you have questions, send them to comment at cityonahillpodcast.com. We may use those questions to help us with a future episode, and we look forward to the next conversation.